Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Out of Line. Um, I'm joined by a recurring guest, but I haven't had him on in a while, Hank. Um, obviously, we're doing mostly some NFL draft stuff. Obviously, we have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Um, even though four days ago was like old news, we still have to talk about it. We still, we still have to talk about it. Some And obviously, some NBA playoff stuff. The Knicks shocking the Cavs in five games. I'm obviously super happy about that. Jimmy Butler uh, going insane uh, against the Bucks, and you know, obviously the big disappointment that they were. Uh, so we're getting into all that, um, and obviously I'm going to make some picks against the spread and some and and uh, another edition of unnecessary wagers. All right, let's get into the show. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Hank, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. It's been a while. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing pretty good so far this week. Uh, obviously, the NFL draft. But first, we have to talk about Aaron Rodgers and what is probably, I mean, they're the greatest day of my, the greatest acquisition day for me as a sports fan. There's been no other acquisition greater than this acquisition. This is better than. The only one that is even comparable in my lifetime is when the Knicks got Carmelo, and this is better than that. Uh, it is a dream come true. Like, if you told me that – if you told me a year ago Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the Jets, I'd be like, what? That's crazy. There's no way that's ever going to happen. Uh, and then it finally did. In a deal that I thought was pretty good, uh, they didn't give up too much. They swapped a couple of picks, essentially – um, after the first round, I value, I mean, it, the value of those picks is not really that high. Uh, and we kind of knew this deal was going to happen, but it was just surreal seeing him standing there with Woody and Joe Douglas. I, I, I still kind of can't believe it. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it was one that we kind of knew was evident ever since he announced it. Ever since he mentioned his intentions on the Pat McAfee show, but it's still finally sunk in that it's real now that you've been seeing the pictures of him holding his new number eight jersey, which 
still is crazy because we've been so used to seeing him wear number 12 all, all the time, even after Joe Namath gave him permission to keep the number 12. But I guess he wanted to go back to his old school California days with his number eight. So that's definitely interesting to see. I thought the Jets kind of gave up a little too much in that trade. I think giving up a first rounder in that in there is kind of risky. But with that being said, I think their bigger mistakes were in the draft, but I'm sure you and I will probably be discussing that a little bit later. But yeah, I think it definitely was a move to make to that pretty much made noise for the New York Jets. And to say that they made a big splash would probably be the understatement of the year. But with that being said, do I know that they're necessarily a play, a playoff team? I'm going to say that's still a hard maybe because of everybody else in the division, particularly Miami and Buffalo. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a hard maybe. It's a it's a hard – I mean, nothing's ever a guarantee to be a playoff team. I, I mean, like, there's never any guarantees. But, I mean, the thing is, Miami's a good team when two is healthy, but that's a pretty big caveat because two is never consistently healthy. Uh, and, if the, and if the Jets can't make the playoffs I, – I mean, if they don't, that's a huge – I mean, that that's just – a huge disappointment. I, I mean, it just wouldn't be acceptable if they don't make the playoffs. Um, so they should be a playoff team. Absolutely. I mean, n- nothing like, I mean, I'm not saying they're a guaranteed playoff team because you never know because the, I, I'm not, I'm not even saying they might not even be the favorites winning the division and, and I'm fine with them not winning the division. It's that's not the end of the world because the AFC East is just so good now, but I will say they should be a playoff team. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're now. It looks like they could potentially be one of the top teams in the NFL. Now we don't know how good every team is going to be. I mean, there always is a possibility. We don't know. I mean, we all thought that the uh, the AFC West was the best division in football in September. So you, you never know what might happen. But I mean, they should be based on what we currently know. Uh, that would be a huge disappointment. As far as giving up a first rounder, I don't really think it's a protected first rounder, essentially. Um, so unless there's some type of catastrophic injury this season, they're gonna they'll be giving up a first rounder. I don't think it's the end of the world. Assuming the Jets are a good team under with Rodgers, that first rounder is probably not that valuable anyway. So I don't think that the Jets. I don't think this is a bad move at all from the Jets when it when it because when it came to what they traded for Rodgers. Now, in terms of what they did for the NFL draft, that's different. We'll get into that in a, in a second. Um, but yes, in terms of everything that went on with Rodgers, it feels this is the first time that one of my teams has gone from irrelevant to relevant just from one acquisition which happens frequently in sports. And by the way, the reverse happens too all the time. But this is the first time that it's happened to one of my teams. And that's what feels so surreal about it. Um, Now, in terms of the NFL draft, I think the Jets Jets are not a good drafting team and they didn't strategize well. They, they, They didn't do a good job, which is part of the reason why I don't care that much about the Jets giving up draft picks. Because they don't draft well most of the time anyway. And don't give me last year they drafted well. Okay, the Sauce Gardner move was good. They could have certainly gotten Thibodeau. But I will say, 
they also had two top 10 picks. It's not that they drafted well. It's just that they had two top 10 picks. It's hard to mess up two top 10 picks. So uh, in general, I don't think the Jets draft well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like to I'm say so that you're done with Roman numerals. <laughs> I'm not even joking. You got to do the math in your head. I mean, it's real. I don't think it's really that easy, that difficult when you really think about it. But we'll we can have that little debate for another day. But yeah, as far as Joe Douglas goes, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I know he definitely made those good moves, like such as drafting a uh, Sauce Gardner and. I want to say it was Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's proven to be a really good wide receiver, but the fact yeah. of the matter is, I think I don't think that success really is talked about without having those extra picks. And look at years past, like 2020 with the Makai Becton pick. He is more often than not failed than succeeded in the draft. And let's not forget, this is the same guy who drafted Zach Wilson. And now they're all of a sudden moving on from Zach Wilson, despite having... Right. despite taking him with such a valuable position. So are we really sure that J- I think Joe Douglas not only is going to be, I think he's the real guy that's going to have, you know, his job on the line should the Jets miss the playoffs, but then so will Robert Sala. And I don't know if that's necessarily in enti- that would necessarily entirely be on Sala, but at the same time, it just has a lot of 2008 Jets like vibes. If you know what I'm talking about. It does have a lot of 2008 Jets like vibes in the sense that, it sort of resembles it, but I don't think it's the same. I think that it's short-sighted to say, in a sense, to say that it's the same. Um, for well, I'm not one, saying it's the same. I'm just saying I see a lot. Right, of right, right. I, I get what you're saying. Um, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the 2008 Jets-Brett Favre thing. First of all, Brett Favre didn't want to be here. That's one of the biggest ones. He didn't want to be here. He was traded here. He didn't want to be here. Second of all, Brett Favre at that point in his career was really not as good as Rodgers is in this point in, in his career. Like just in terms of how good they are, I'd rather have Rodgers. Uh, that's another. Uh, also, the we only had him for a year and the Jets really weren't all that bad. They certainly could have been a playoff team. They probably could have made a playoff run had they had him another year. And they were a hell of a lot better than they were before. So it, it, I, I don't really think that argument makes a whole – I don't really think the whole Brett Favre thing, even though every Jet fan seems to have a, that seemed to have left a bad taste in the mouth of every Jet fan. I don't think it's on one hand, I don't think it's the same, but also I think people think it was a worse thing than it really was. Uh, it wasn't quite the same thing as the equivalent of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie, James Harden era for the Nets. It wasn't like that, like that bad to that degree. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's different. I, I just think it's pretty different. Um, and in terms of what they gave up for him, I don't know. I don't think it was much. I mean, a first rounder, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is certainly worth a first rounder, assuming that you're going to be a real, a good team and you're not going to have a very high, it's not like they're giving up a top 10 pick chances are. So I don't really think it, that part is really a big deal in terms of how the jets just drafted. First of all, Despite what people tell you last year, Joe Douglas hasn't drafted great. I mean, he also took Zach Wilson. I mean, just because he also took Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. Okay, great. He didn't screw up two top 10 picks. <laughs> like, all right. Like, that doesn't that doesn't really prove much. Um, this year, they didn't draft great. Um, and this year, they didn't draft great. And, you know, the whole thing with Will McDonald is that, like, they could have – 
if they really he could have he was probably going to go like late in the first round if they really wanted him they could have just traded back and why didn't they trade up why didn't they get jackson smith and jigba like aaron Rodgers wants i mean he didn't specifically request him but aaron Rodgers wants a really stacked receiving core so and if you're going to stay at 15 they could have easily taken him and that's a steal or they could have traded up and gotten a good uh, and gotten uh, gotten some offensive linemen. I don't know who the best offensive lineman to take would have been, but they could have at least traded up and gotten an offensive lineman if they really felt they need if they really felt that they needed one. I mean, but to stay at fifteen and take Will McDonald, who they could have gotten at like later in the first round and traded back if they really wanted him. I don't know. There was no strategy there. They just sat at 15 and made it seem and as if no team was going to try to trade ahead of them. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I thought the Jets definitely could have executed better in the draft, so to speak. And yeah, I, again, you would have thought that they would have gone after somebody like in the realm of like an offensive lineman just to protect Aaron Rodgers or another wide receiver, given who you have. but. I don't know. Like I said, as much as Joe Douglas, you want to credit Joe Douglas with making good moves. I can also, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. A toddler probably could have told you to take in some of the other guys that were available in some of the other years. So yeah, he's made plenty, just as many head scratchers as he's made good decisions. And that was, one and, of and I mean, to be fair, there were also a lot of moves that he made that seemed like good ideas at the time. Uh, and turned out not to pan out, although it's kind of hard to get mad at a GM for doing that because, you know, I'd rather a GM be a little bit overly aggressive when it comes to making moves. I mean, Le'Veon Bell kind of comes to mind. Uh, well, that wasn't Joe Douglas. Oh, you're, you're right. That was a year before Joe Douglas. You're right. He started, that was what's his name? The guy who got uh, – McCagnan. That was McCagnan. You're right. That was a little bit before Joe Douglas. Um, never mind. But the, the concept is kind of similar. <laughs> like, uh, But in terms of drafting, he hasn't been great. Um, and – you know, taking Zach, I mean, like, I'm not saying any, he was specifically wrong when it came to Zach Wilson, but he's, it, it's still, he still drafted him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, um, and I, it just felt like there was no real strategy there. And I mean, your team was, did a little bit better. It seemed like. Actually, I the more I really like what the Giants did with uh, getting uh, Banks. I thought, I think it seems to me like he really is going to fit a uh, Wink Martindale scheme really well. And while it seems like Joey Porter Jr. may have been like one of the obvious picks, I mean, given all the hype that was surrounding him, and understandably so, considering he's got the genes of an NFL legend. At the same time, you also have to really put in take into consideration the type of the type of um, system that they're trying to, to use within the quarterbacks. And from what I understand, I think Banks really fits what Martindale wants to do better than, say, Porter. And as it turns out, the Giants really didn't have Porter that high on their secondary like board, so to speak. So even though they gave up a good amount at the same time, what Tom, and I talked about this with Tom not too long ago, if you trade down – or if, if you don't make that trade, you might risk not having that guy available. So I think that's definitely a good acquisition for the Giants secondary. So, and 
not to mention, I'm pretty much inclined to trust what Joe Shane does at this point because he pretty much made a lot of moves to clean up the mess that the previous regime made. And right. if you see Brian Dable and and him excited about the pick, then I think that really tells you something. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't necessarily care. I mean, like, the Jets were really excited about Will McDonald. I mean, I don't know. It, it had the similar vibes as, like, when the Jets drafted Calvin Pryor. And I was oh, just gosh. like, oh, no, no. <laughs> it, it had a similar sort of vibe to it. Nick, um, let me ask you something. Are you one of those Jet fans that every time they make a move, you just are conditioned to boo automatically? I wouldn't say I'm conditioned to boo automatically. Um Although I've been closer to that within recent years, I will say um, that I, I, I haven't, I don't normally get really excited about it. Um, that I think is true too. Although I was happy. I mean, I, I preferred Thibodeau last year and I was wrong, um, but I was pretty happy about getting Gardner and Wilson. I wasn't exactly preconditioned. I wouldn't say I'm pre. I, I automatically think we should boo. I, I think I don't even think Jet fans are. I don't even think very many Jet fans are actually conditioned to boo picks. I just think that picks are often so bad that they're gonna naturally boo. Uh, and Nick fans are the same way. It, oh like, yeah, I was just about to say we've seen that I many times with the Knicks. And goes in there like we're gonna boo no matter who it is. I don't think that's true. I, I think that the the Jets just t aren't good at drafting, like. And then they get what they deserve. So, or, or just look at that video that came out many moons ago when they show a lot of the old Jets failed draft picks. And then at the end, yeah. when you hear them chanting, we want Sep, we want Sep, New York Jets select tight end. Oh no, Kyle Brady. <laughs> Although I will say, actually, come, come to think of it. I actually did <laughs> in hindsight, like the Sam Darnold pick. So I will say, even when I've liked the picks, a lot of times it hasn't really been it hasn't really worked out. I so, think the Sam Darnold pick though had more to do with the Jets ruining him, but that's kind of neither here nor there. No, I, I don't actually. I don't think he would have been great anywhere. Um, Maybe I think he, I mean, he might do well with the 49ers, though, because you, you've seen what um, you've seen what Shanahan can do with a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying the Jets helped. It certainly is true that it didn't help. Uh, it doesn't help when you have – I mean, I am not the biggest fan of, like, defensive having defensive-minded head coaches with young quarterbacks. To me, I feel like I want to have an offensive-minded head coach who can develop a quarterback. Um, I also don't believe football is as complicated as people make it out to be. I think football is a sport, and to a degree, quarterbacks kind of either have it or they don't. And, and some coaches get more out of quarterbacks than others, but – I, I don't think that the Jets ruined Sam Darnold as much as he just wasn't good and they kind of exacerbated the problem. Um, I, I don't believe that Josh Allen would have been Sam Darnold had he gone to the Jets. Maybe he wouldn't have been as good as, good as he is now, but he wouldn't have been Sam Darnold. And I, I think the Jets just aren't good at drafting. Uh, USC, a lot of USC quarterbacks turn out not to be that good in the NFL and it turns out the experts don't really know anything. Uh, they, they don't know that much. They have good reasons to believe that quarterbacks are going to be good or not good. But uh, especially based on the types of players that they have, uh, the types of players that they are, 
But I, I think they also don't take into account a lot of indiv- a lot of nuance and individual characteristics of those players. And I think that it's very difficult to go from U.S. go from the Pac-12 uh, and a school like USC, where you have some of the best weapons around you, going against weak defenses, relatively speaking, to the NFL, where you play in tough stadiums against tough defenses, and you don't have the best coaching. And you don't have the best weapons around you, and you're in a different system. It's just not the same thing, and that nuance is usually not taken into account. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely fair. But again, I really am not convinced that the Jets really helped Sam Darnold. I mean, no, no, we no, can no, play no, the no, what no. if game. Although I think that if anything, I think that although you know what though, you're right. You're right. Although I think the flip side is also true. I think the Jets also really helped Zach Wilson a lot. And you think, and by the way, if you think yeah. you get like I, the opposite is true. If you think that uh, the Jets ruined Zach Wilson, the Jets did everything for Zach Wilson. And in a weird way, I think that was a problem. Uh, I mean, the Jets ran an offense that fit him perfectly. And by, uh, by fit him perfectly, I mean, like he didn't have to do much at all. Right. He hardly threw the ball. And they were able to win games. So, I mean, sometimes if a quarterback isn't good, it's not really helping when the uh, when the system works really well for that quarterback because then it masks all the problems with them. Um, it, I mean, the Jets did everything they could to salvage, to, to salvage Zach Wilson. Uh, and obviously it's not going to work if the quarterback just isn't – if the guy just isn't good. Um I, I mean, just look at like when the Jets were winning early in the year last year, like Jet fans were happy about it, but they shouldn't have been. It was basically a bubble that was waiting to pop. Uh, and that's basically what happened with Wilson. Uh, with Darnold, he didn't have support around him and he had a few flashes in the pan, but we didn't really get much false hope from him. Um, I mean, if you don't remember, um, his first career pass was an interception. Oh, yeah, that was a pick six, right? Yes. So, you know, it, we didn't have too much false hope. Um, and well, they still ended up winning that game, though. What's that? The, the Jets still won that game, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. I remember. I remember. But I'm just saying, we didn't have too much false hope. Um, but in, in terms of the Rodgers thing, I mean, there were naysayers originally, uh, especially from Jet fans, about how, well, you know, if you want to lose in the playoffs, get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, losing in the playoffs is sounds amazing to me. I mean, it, it would be really arrogant to be like, I don't want to lose in the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we haven't made the playoffs in 12 years. Almost half our lives, we haven't made the playoffs. So... Nick, we were in eighth grade. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was like going through puberty still. I mean, I was a child basically. Do you uh, remember where you were the last time the Jets won a playoff game? I was in my house, but yes, January sixteenth, twenty eleven. Yes, I remember. Or the last time they played in a playoff game would be more telling. Well, yeah, that was the Steelers AFT Championship. Yeah, and that was so long ago. So I almost won that game too. Yeah, so how could I ever be – but, you know, if the Jets don't make the playoffs, that is a huge, huge uh, disappointment. And unlike – and 
despite what Giannis says, disappointments and failures in sports do, in fact, exist. <laughs> but we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so I, – I can't even with that comment. I mean, the thing is, he said it in an eloquent sort of smart-sounding way, but it's also the type of thing that you would say if you fail. Yeah, I was going to say, I, mean, I know the, what he was trying I to mean, say. It makes sense whole... to say failures don't exist because that's the only way you can argue that the season wasn't a failure. Right. <laughs> like, but, um, I mean, if you, but if you were with the, if you really paid attention to the Bucks and you didn't think that that was a failure, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean, considering thing. this is a team that two years ago won a title and the, the number one seed and then they get bounced in the first round in five games, like regardless of whether or not Giannis gets hurt, that's still, that's a failure. Here's the thing though. He says that like every Giannis said 20 to, uh, is every season a failure for teams that don't win. Like, no, I don't think anybody thinks that. I don't think anybody would argue that if the Hornets didn't win this year, the season's a failure. No, nobody makes that argument. Nobody even says that if the Hornets didn't make the playoffs, the season would be a failure. Nobody's making that argument. But when you're the one seed and you get bounced by the eight seed in five games, how can you argue that's not a failure? Imagine if a New York athlete said that or if LeBron well, said that, which actually sounds like something LeBron would say. Do you remember when Tom, that comment that Tom Glavin made after the Mets lost? Yes, game it's was- ve- you're right. It's very similar to Tom to a comment Tom Glavin would make. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I like Giannis. He's a great player. But mm-hmm. to be completely honest, that's not something a competitor says. It, it's just not. Um, most professional athletes would never say that. I, I mean, and if, like I said, a New York athlete saying that, they would get crucified. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not too familiar with Milwaukee media. They might be crucifying him too. Um, but in New York, I can tell you, that is like a crazy thing to say if a New York athlete had said that. I mean, imagine if the Jets don't make the playoffs this year and Aaron Rodgers says something like that. That would be insane. That would be insane. It's like, yeah, failure in sports can can exist for sure. I mean, I don't understand how that even makes any sense. Yeah, no, I don't get it either. Would LeBron make the claim that would Le, did LeBron ever say that Miami didn't that Miami Heat didn't fail when they lost to the Mavericks? Uh, that was an epic failure. There's no reason that that Mavericks team should have beaten the Miami Heat. Right. And then the, I would and also the, argue the same thing for the 2014 Spurs. Yeah, like like when when would you argue that the uh, Nets super team was not a giant failure? Of course it was. <laughs> I mean, look. You know me as a diehard Yankee fan. I'm of the mindset of the expectation is usually pretty high. But for me, though, it's really the expectation is only really as high as the talent level. Correct. Correct. And um, and the whole, like, championship or failure, that's that's a typical Yankee fan mindset. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm also, I'd also like to think I'm pretty reasonable with my expectations, which is why I would be... Which is why I would definitely consider consider it a failure should, God forbid, the Rangers lose tomorrow night at the Garden. That's a failure. But that's a tangent for another day. You knew I had to bring that team into it. I knew you had to bring up the Rangers. Um, uh, But, I mean, also, Jimmy Butler was just crazy in these games. Oh, yeah, no. 56 points. That is 
Although, speaking of the playoffs, I want to talk about the Knicks a little bit. Uh, Julius Randle is low-key a terrible playoff player, and he's totally getting bailed out. Um, he is like he is it is he is so lucky that his teammates have been playing so good that he is a terrible playoff performer. I, I mean, he's completely it, it's totally masking how bad of a playoff performer he is, just because his team is winning. Nick, is it a stretch to say that they somehow played better when he got injured? Or it's not a stretch. It it happened. I mean, look, Jalen Brunson on the you have to say is the MVP. I mean, the Knicks really haven't had a steady point guard, or at least one that's been there for a long time since probably Charlie Ward. Like, if you really think about it, yeah, the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. So to have him on his game and. I think his performance in the second half of game one really set the tone in this series. And, you know, I think my analysis of the Knicks really comes down to this at the end of the day, they were a deeper team than Cleveland. Like they got, absolutely. They were a deeper team. Um, Donovan Mitchell didn't really play all that bad. No, he wasn't. The problem was like you may have, they may have had a better starting lineup on paper, but as an overall team, the Knicks were better. The Knicks played better as a team. And uh, for as much shit that, Thibodeau gets I think he deserves a lot of credit because without a really good head coach this isn't happening and and every player individually didn't always play well like I said Julius Randle was our best player he didn't play that well most of these games uh Garrett was great these past couple of games uh games three through five he was great but was horrible in games one and two quickly has been non-existent in this series and we're still Mm -hmm. able to win in five so I do think it's good that there's been so many flaws from the Knicks. It's a good sign, at least, that there's been so many flaws from the Knicks, and we were still playing really great. Playing, we were playing Josh really Hart. Let's not forget about uh, Elston Howard's grandnephew, Josh Hart. Correct. He's been great. He's been great lately. I mean, just as a role player, he's been great. Uh, Nick, best. Um, I'm going to give you a little hot take here. All right. Best trade deadline acquisition the Knicks have made since I would probably I'm going to go as far as say Derek Harper in '94. Mm, possibly. Were you trying to argue Carmelo Anthony? You know what? I will say Carmelo was a better one. I do. You know why? Because the thing is, it. Okay, I mean the Carmelo era was a failure, but I mean there is no Josh Hart era. Like, it would be a failure if it weren't for the team that was already built around them. So, I don't know. Okay, um, I would say more along the lines of, like, getting a role player. Okay. Then I would say yes. Derek, biggest yes. since Derek. Because, Carmelo. okay, let, let me ask you a question. If you could take Carmelo in that time frame, like, Carmelo at that age that he was in 2011, which is probably, like, 30 or something, and you have a choice between getting him or Josh Hart at the trade deadline this year, who would you take? Well, of course you'd take Carmelo Anthony. Okay, then. <laughs> like, those are totally different situations. Right. Uh, oh, okay, then. Like, then obviously that's a better, objectively speaking, regardless of the nuance involved, objectively speaking, I would say that's still a better acquisition. It's yeah, just it, the acqu- everything after that was a failure. But even then, I still feel like, looking back, the Knicks gave up a lot to get Carmelo Anthony, but... It, it was what it was. It's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, obviously, this year's NBA playoffs have been great. 
Um, and by the way, I'm still nervous about them playing Miami. I, I mean, I do like that they have home court, but I don't think that they're far and away a better team than Miami. Um, oh gosh, I, I think they're I think they're better, but I wouldn't like say like I wouldn't say it's completely obvious. I agree with you. I, I don't think that it, they're far. Like I said, I mean, they were far. They were running away. I mean, sort of like how this is almost the reverse of what happened two years ago with the Knicks and the Hawks. The Knicks had didn't have home court and they won in five. Two years ago was the opposite. They had home court and they lost in five. Uh, I think it's like within those five games, at least the Knicks were clearly a better team than Cleveland. Um, I mean, Cleveland had a better regular season, but they were the better team at the time. Clearly. I don't think the Knicks are clearly a better team, uh, uh, clearly a better team than Miami. Now they might show that they might, because I wouldn't have told you that I thought the Knicks were going to beat Cleveland. I did not think they would, but it is worth noting that, just because it is worth noting that Jimmy Butler is a really good playoff player. And I don't, I'm not usually wrong about these things <laughs> when it comes to doubting how good the Knicks are. I'm not usually wrong and they might prove me wrong. They might win this in five games or whatever, but I, I don't think that seems very likely given how good Miami has been. It's not even a knock on the Knicks, just given how good Miami has been. So I'm a little nervous. I mean, they're favored by four points on Sunday. Um, although I will say I'm very happy they're playing Miami instead of the Bucks because I feel like they have no shot. They'd have no shot against the Bucks. That would, I mean, I feel like it's almost feels over. I mean, I think the Knicks probably could could have stolen a game or two from the Bucks, but fortunately, we don't really have to figure that out. Correct. I don't care because it doesn't matter if they would have won. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't you know. You know what I like to say? Could have, should have, would have, but didn't. Correct. Correct. That's what I care about the most, obviously. Um, it also feels really good that uh, the Nets got swept when the Knicks are now, uh, when the Knicks are now moving uh, onto the next round. That's pretty incredible to me. Uh I mean, normally it's the opposite. Like, normally it would be something like the Nets are in the playoffs and the Knicks aren't even close to making it. Uh, but, you know, it, I am a little bit petty about certain things, and that's certainly one of them. I mean, it's nice to see the Knicks getting all the credit for a change. And I'm surprised Brooklyn even made the playoffs after the whole fire sale that they had where they traded Kyrie to the Mavericks and then they traded KD to the Suns. But then again, I also kind of find it hilarious that the Nets made it, even if they didn't win a game, but yet the Mavericks didn't even make it at all. So that, that is kind of <laughs> I mean, that you not only did the Mavericks not make it, they apparently tanked, which goes to show you. Oh, that I, I did a rant about that on one of my other shows. Which um, was so bizarre to me because they could have like made the playoffs I thought it was really bizarre. I never thought I would see a team do that. It goes to show you how how much bigger of a problem tanking is in the NBA than it is in the NFL. Like teams, when they clearly should tank in the NFL, strategically speaking, like usually don't tank. They usually don't. And I don't, almost nobody does it on purpose. The only time I've really seen a team tank and it seemed like it was on purpose was uh, Doug Peterson a few years ago with the Eagles. That's one of the, I mean, I think that he kept, probably did it on purpose, but 
that was like the last game of the season. It was unlikely, it, like they were out and it, it it's totally different. But in this case, they could have made it to a playing game. And I saw that like, like the NBA was thinking of like finding them uh, or, but I don't know. I mean, is there anything against the rules about tanking? I could be wrong, but I mean, what are they going to do? Say that like you rested all your starters? Like how do you, I mean, I guess they're somewhat incentivized to do it. They probably thought they had no shot in the playoffs. It, it was just I really think they, they probably thought that, but then again, when you consider how wide open the playoffs had been in the Western Conference, that was pretty, that was kind of short-sighted thinking. And at the same time, it's a lottery system and you just barely miss the playoffs. So I really don't understand what yeah. Mark Cuban's thought process was. And it sounds like, a by Mark the way, Cuban. can I just, can I point out, this isn't the first time that Mark Cuban got investigated into this sort of thing. Remember, that's how they got Luka Doncic five years ago. Yes. Yes. So it just goes to show you he never learned his lesson. Yeah. I mean, Luka Doncic, I, I guess it worked. I mean, tanking can certainly work. I'm not saying it can't work, but it's really bizarre that they would tank when they were a playing team. That's really weird. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> that, that I just thought was really bizarre. Um, okay, so I do want to get into some of this. Um, I, I do want to get into some of uh, uh, some of the uh, NBA games. Uh, I'm going to make some picks. Um. Okay, so Kings at Warriors, minus seven, over under 237 and a half. That's a very high over under. I like the Kings plus seven. This game's going to be on tonight. By the time a lot of people are watching this, it's already going to have happened. So I'll either look like a genius or an idiot <laughs> by the time a lot of people watch this. I think the game starts in like 20 minutes. Um, but I really like the Kings. I'm rooting for the Kings. Uh, I never thought, it feels weird that the Kings are such a relevant team. Like, I almost forgot throughout the regular season how good they were. Yeah, it's funny. We thought, we said, we talked about how we were in middle school when the Jets last made the playoffs. We were freaking elementary school the last time the Kings were in a playoff. Game, <laughs> yeah, that, like, that's a bigger playoff draft than the Jets. Um, but I, I do like the Kings. As far as the over under, I would probably go with the over. But I don't know. I mean, it's still a tough one. <laughs> I am going to go with the Warriors. I have a hard time picking against them when they're playing at home and just look at their record at home. And uh, let me give you another factor. Uh, right. But they're giving seven. No, I know. Game six, okay. Clay. Game six, Clay. That is true. It is a game six. There game could six certainly play. be a game six, Clay. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox has been great. Oh, yeah. He, he's definitely been a thorn in the side of the, of the Warriors for sure. Um, so Grizzlies at Lakers, uh, Laker, I made a, an error, <laughs> Lakers, uh, not one Laker, uh, Grizzlies at Lakers minus five over under 220 and a half. Uh, the, I, I like the Lakers and the over. Now this sounds like circular logic, but the Lakers seem to win like high scoring games. Yeah, I think that's and 220 that's and a half for, for these West coast games is not very, it's pretty low. That's. 110 uh, or 111 for each team. So just to hit the, like the losing team has to score hundred. And if the losing team scores 110, I automatically win. So that's not very high. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm taking the Lakers. 
Yeah. Um, so you like the? How about the over under? You're gonna you? Oh, I'm betting the over. You like the over? Okay. Totally yes, betting. Well, I, I think it's if I were a betting man, that is. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a big series for LeBron. I think the Lakers could really make a run. I think the Lakers can beat anybody in the West. That honestly would not surprise me. I mean, anybody LeBron in the West, still the West is wide open. They could be anybody in the West. They really could. Like, let's say, um, who would they play if they win this one? They'd play uh, the, they play the winner of the Warriors King series, right? Uh, correct. Oh yeah, uh, that series could go either way. Yeah. So it's yeah, because the Lakers are the. Uh, because the uh, the Lakers are uh, hold on a second the the, the Lakers are the uh, the seven seed so yes or in in this in uh, in uh, well, well they were the seven seed I would say they're the uh, six uh, essential yeah yeah the seven seed you could so yeah. uh, taking playing uh, Memphis which is a two seed so yes you're correct about that um. And Suns and so Suns at Nuggets minus two and a half over under 226. I think it might change a little bit. Um, this is tough to this is tough for me. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with the Nuggets minus two and a half at home. Nuggets minus two and a half. You know what? I'm gonna go a different way. I am gonna go with the Suns. I haven't been as high on the Nuggets, despite the fact that they're number one seed. And with KD being an established playoff performer, along with Devin Booker, I really like the Suns' chances. I have a weird feeling they're going to steal this game one. So I'm going to go with Phoenix. All right. Um, and I'll take the over, by the way. Um, I'm going to go with the under. Oh, okay. I feel like this is – something tells me this is an under game. It's going to be kind of messy. Um Heat at Knicks minus four over under two hundred seven and a half. I like Miami and the under. I, I don't think the. I feel like the Knicks are not gonna. I, I don't know. I feel like something's gonna go wrong here. Um, the I think the Knicks might be able. I don't think they're gonna cover four. Uh, and I I think it's gonna be an under game because a lot of these Knicks games have been under. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go under two. However, I'm gonna take the Knicks. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I have hope. But I, I just don't think that's gonna happen. Um, all right, so let's go into unnecessary wagers. My the finale, the uh, show is closing. All right, so I have the Kings plus seven and a half, so it's even better than it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, depending on the app you use, the lines might be slightly different. Lakers minus five, uh, the over in the Grizzlies Lakers game, uh, the Sixers plus seven and a half. We didn't, I didn't pick that game. Uh, but I, well, I think it's going to, I think the plus seven and a half is a steal because the, uh, the line is going to move a lot probably between now and Monday. So I, I have a feeling the line might get, might shorten, uh, might get lower, uh, between now and then, uh, and over 23 and a half points for Jalen Brunson in the Nick game. I think that should be good for Brunson, uh, unless he has a really bad game, he should score over that. So that's uh, everything in my wager, which is unnecessary. Yeah, that makes that definitely. I can see that. I, that that's an interesting bet you made there, but <laughs> I hope for your sake it goes well, man. You know what? I do want to see if there's any odds for the Jets 
in the in uh okay so for uh the futures because they don't show all of them usually um to win the super bowl okay the jets are plus 1400 so they're they're tied with the cowboys and they're only one spot tied one spot behind the bills at plus 850 Interest uh, division specials. Let, let me see the division. Um, the division is. There's got to be one for the Jets too. So the Jets are okay. The Jets finishing position: first plus two twenty-five, second plus two twenty-five. So a little bit behind the Bills, but not too bad. And by the way, if the Bills are anything like they were last year, the Jets are in good shape. Because even if they win the division, they can't actually, they couldn't do anything in the playoffs. Well, yeah, the (laughs) Bengals beat them at their own game. Yeah, so, all right. Thanks for coming on, Hank. Um, I should be, I'll be back next week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and listening, everybody.